Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us, a podcast dedicated to the stories of leaders in the technology industries that bring us closer together, specifically content and media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity. Your hosts are me, John Clifton, Laurie Scott and Will Trenchard, the founders of Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm focused on these exact industries. We love being a part of them and we're excited to share these stories with you. Welcome to the Tech That Connects Us. Your host today is me, Laurie Scott, co-founder of NuCo, alongside Andrew Ball, one of my colleagues who works alongside me within our satellite and new space team. We're delighted today to be, jo- uh, be joined by Ernst Peter Hovinder, a co-founder and board advisor for Hiber. Ernst Peter is somebody that I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with for several years, um, having worked in the SATCOM for many years with established companies such as Stratos, Inmarsat, and GE Satcom. And after a very successful career, he founded um, Hiber, where he was the CEO of Hiber back in 2016. Hiber is an exciting new space startup that has successfully launched some nanosats to provide groundbreaking satellite networks that make the internet of things accessible anywhere on the earth. Welcome, Ernst Peter, and delighted to have you on the show today. Oh, happy to be here, gentlemen. <laughs> been a pleasure. So, Ernst Peter, we want to go back right from the beginning. Um, so my question to you is, how and why did you get into the uh, the satellite industry? Yeah, that's an interesting question because uh, how is easy, why uh, is not so clear, quite frankly. Uh, I would say it's, it's almost by coincidence. Uh, but I think uh, because I was working at a, uh, a company selling industrial automation, yeah. Uh, so uh, high tech, uh, really a software company doing uh, very sophisticated, uh, cool stuff and actually having a good time. And then I was called by my brother-in-law, who was at that point in time working at uh, KPN Satellite or KPN Satcom. Yeah. And uh, he said, well, uh, we're really looking for, um, uh, for people in the team. Uh, are you interested? Well, I just uh, shot over my CV my resume, and the next day I sat in front of, let's say, uh, the manager of the team, I would get a job with the next month. And that I really, uh, so they told me about what it was that they were doing, and that really got me enthused. I mean, I've, I have a background in economics, but yeah. I'm also, also always very interested by tech. So I also um, had a, uh, uh, when choosing what to study, it could have been physics and it could have been economics in that respect. So uh, because uh, it always had my interest. And so if you ask how did I get in, uh, it was by coincidence because I was yeah. told by my brother-in-law. <laughs> Why? Uh, I guess it's my natural curiosity. And I think yeah. that's uh, one of the things that you need to have a satellite communication or tech uh, tech. Uh, uh, at large, I mean, you need to be curious. Yeah, you of need course. To be inquisitive. You really need to uh, you want need to want to know, find out how does it work? Why does it work the way it does? And, yeah. And how can I use it? Yeah, and how can I uh, actually uh, deliver the best possible solution to my customer? In this case, doing remote communication solutions, and that's what I started doing at. Uh, at back then, uh, it was uh, still called Station 12, which really was the satellite department of, uh, of KPN, which later on became Stratos, Daniel Marsat, and yeah. we told it in the introduction. So 
Fantastic. Uh, it, it is uh, how careers evolve. Sometimes it's by luck. Huh? You just yeah. stumble uh, onto something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you know it's who you know but um well brilliant that's fa fantastic and um yeah what an entry into the into the industry so um okay so to so keep into the past um what i'm really keen to understand is who's been the most significant influence for in your career yeah i i saw that in the brief and i think i mean um and i've been thinking about it and um the thing is, I mean, uh, there's a dear American friend. He once said to me, um, we are all each other's teachers. Yeah? And I think that that applies. So I, yeah. I've had some people in the team that I found extremely inspiring. Mm. Uh, and that may just have been co-workers that, uh, yeah, uh, had uh, uh, a creativity or a an attitude that I found remarkable. But I've, if you look at let's say a mentor let's say somebody that uh, i looked up to i think i worked with ronald spithout at stratos for a very long time yeah yeah ronald's now the uh, uh uh president maritime at immersat and yeah. i uh, from a managerial point of view so if i look at later on how i also uh led teams uh, i think i really learned a lot from him and also let's say the the Turnaround CEO we had at some point in time at Agentic, Peter Eldman Rodo, but if I need to name one, that's probably Ronald. Okay, excellent. Yeah, well, he's um, very well known within the industry, so I'm sure he'll uh, appreciate the shout out. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, so um, I, I know we're going to talk about Hyber later on, um, and I know you've been doing a lot of mentoring and, and helping sort of um, entrepreneurs and, and people to, uh, to, to get into the industry. But um, today, what's been the, the, the biggest achievement or the, the, something that you've been most proud of for, in your career? Um, yeah, well, uh, there, there's really a, a number of things that I think uh, are really great. So, I mean, I think at every stage, I mean, there's, um, there have been things that were extremely exciting. Eh? Yeah. So 20 years back when I entered into this industry, which is really the turn of the century, I mean, that was the time when Iridium just had gone bankrupt. It was... Yep time when VSET was still pretty much uh, SCPC yeah. uh, and everything was circuit switched. I mean, when I came the first time in uh, Piraeus in, uh, near Athens in, uh, in Greece, I mean, they were still using telex. I mean, there was no email. <laughs> yeah. And that sort of changed after five years. And I thought that's also, let's say, the, uh, um, uh, the biggest thing that happened then you saw, let's say, VSET things, let's say, really evolving rap rapidly going to save also uh, TDMA type systems um, and you saw it switching from circuit switch to packet switch and that's really when I also helped back then at Zantic actually going towards solution sales setting up solution engineering really uh, at that time uh, advising Ronald uh, yeah. question, why don't we just retrain the whole sales team so I got in a professor let's say from University of Rotterdam actually and uh, refocus them, uh, gave them a new sense of purpose. And then basically what meant that whole transfer, let's say, to data. Mm. Uh, and if you're looking at data networks and satellite has also always been a driver in machine to machine, which is yeah. now IoT. Yeah. And, but that was really accelerated. And I really changed the whole setup, let's say, of my business unit back then 
in a much more focused, concerted effort, let's say, really yeah. get a much better understanding of customers. And then really we started driving this whole M2M thing. This was also the reason that I later on went to GE and later on founded Hyper. Yeah. Um, getting a more profound understanding of what it is. So that, that transition at Zentic, I think I really am proud of that I could help shape that in part. I, uh, but yeah, in the end, yeah, there's a GE that did great things, but I also think that um, when I stood, when the first satellite of Hyper went up and actually I was at that point in time, I, I couldn't be there because I was at AWS reInvent. Um, and in the end, the first satellite didn't go up from California, but from India, I had my visa. I wasn't there. Uh, I saw it. Uh, I saw the satellite going up from um, a cafe with uh, one of my sales guys in, in Colorado, <laughs> watching the screen. And, uh, and then I, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to wait for the first beep. And the first beep really is that the satellite has connected after it's in orbit. Yeah. And uh, so, he went home. I went home. There was this. I was in this dodgy hotel, let's say, with some of, sort of an industrial area, and nothing was there. There was this one bar I saw. So I went there, and actually, I was sitting at the bar, and I met some ex-marines, and just told uh, we had launched our first satellite. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I was watching this. Let's say this my phone on a constant basis. And at four o'clock in the morning, there was this first beep, and I was on this parking lot by myself. <laughs> outside of Denver and I called Eric Wink uh, who was uh, in India and uh, there was this first beep and then basically you have set up this company in 2016, it was three years before that, we were about 50 people then, we had got our, our licenses and our first satellites were going up and, wow. and that is really yeah. a, a cool feeling I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean amazing and it's um, I mean what a feeling that must have been I mean absolutely incredible um, especially to see where you've come from so yeah fantastic brilliant okay so Ernst Peter obviously spoke a little bit about your career um, and, and the past so now we're going to sort of come to the present um, we'll pass you on to Andrew. Thanks very much Laurie um, <clears throat> so obviously Ernst Peter um, as Laurie's kind of alluded to um, you've obviously had a very illustrious career in the satellite and space industry so far. Um, and look, with your experience, I'm sure you've seen a number of major changes take part, um, take part in the industry. And I know that, that you'll have a better idea than most of, of how we've kind of got to where we are today. Um, obviously last year, with the pandemic was a kind of strange year for all involved and the space and satellite industry certainly wasn't immune um, to the pandemic. It's had a big impact on the market, um, but certainly for us kind of looking at the, the here and now, what's really positive is that there seems to be a lot of continual development, um, certainly within the kind of the new space market. A uh, large number of new companies always sort of coming um, to the foreground, a lot of technological developments um, being brought into the market. Um, and I think really importantly, a lot of sort of new end user markets and, and verticals now becoming customers of, of the industry. And, you know, certainly it seems as though that's um, something the Hybers really looking at and kind of bringing kind of new um, new end user verticals and, and customers starting to consume satellite and space technology. Um, so I guess what, what we're really interested to hear from you is what's your view on the current market for new space and satellite at the moment? Yeah, for, for, um, uh, for new space and satellites, uh, I mean, those, uh, <laughs> in a way, the, the, there's a number of uh, questions hidden. Yeah? <laughs> uh, in, in, in <laughs> In that in that question, then, uh, so I, I, what I 
so what you see happening, and I think that's what everybody has always been looking for, which is sort of the holy grail, is that um, um, there is a single standard. I mean, everybody always wanted to call, let's say, using his phone to satellites and then um, being able to actually be connected to a local uh, uh, GSM antenna locally. And, and, that's, and that's what people want. People, I mean, and I think, I mean, so I'm going to focus my question a bit or my answer a bit on satellite communications or connectivity, if you like, if you yeah. don't mind. Uh, because, um, and I think if you're looking at connectivity, I always look at it from the customer perspective. People don't really care how they are connected as long yeah. as they're connected. And it's yep. not just people, but it's also things. And, and what you see more and more is there's many more things than there's people. And I've been sort of involved, and that's also my involvement right now with the uh, startups that I want to actually take to the next level. It's yep. really about how do you find the best trade-off, yeah? let's say in device autonomy, if you like, and that's battery life. That means how much do you process on the edge? How much do you transfer? And that's either using cellular or satellite. And I think what is the challenge, and that's really for satellite industry, is uh, how do you get to the right standards? Yeah, there's a number of players that I, I'm now going to focus on the IoT market. Um, and there you see that um, the market growth is being hampered by the lack of standards. That's, what, that's my vision, at least. Yeah. I think it's really important that uh, there's going to be a an exchange, let's say, between the different players, and that's both the established players that can be Iridium or Immersat, but also Echostar and Viasat, mm. and some of the new players uh, like Miriota and Hyber, but also uh, Kinesh. And how are we going to make sure that uh, we make the most of it? How are we going to make sure we have yeah. the largest possible pie uh, so that we that our our size our, our slice of the pie is also bigger right? <laughs> uh, and really we need to get to a standard and like we got to a standard in mobile phones and like we got to a standard in um, in uh, in cds uh, before mm. that yes yeah. before that yeah? and um, and that's going to be important so it's about having let's say so what is the interface going to be let's say between the modem and the antenna what is going to be the interface between the modem and the sensor um, what language are we going to speak uh, and how are we going to basically uh, yeah that way really make the most, let's say, of the possible market size by creating efficiencies. Yeah? That's what it's about. Now, so that's about, let's say, M2M, as it was called, IoT, what it's called right now, but really that's a buzzword. It's all yeah. about yeah. 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 And um, now, and you see some really exciting stuff happening, both, let's say, on the broadband side and the one web, which is going to revive, but I think Telesat uh, really stands in excellent chance. And then there's, let's say, let's say voice, but voice is also doesn't really exist because it's also data. So you see in 5G, some interesting stuff happening with initiatives with Link and AST, mm. Globe, which is really uh, fascinating. Yeah. To me, there's a big difference between broadband, voice, and narrowband. And all of those things need to be looked at in a separate way. And I think all of it, it is going to be important that there's going to be some sort of interoperability. And if you have this inter network interoperability, uh, then you can be the winner. And now getting to this network interoperability, uh, uh, that is going to be the game changer. 
in the end. Yeah. And that's what you see happening. So you see uh, also EchoStar and Viasat uh, deploying hybrid solutions, let's say satellite and mobile. And but you will in the end will need to see, let's say, is there going to be network interoperability, let's say, between different network operators, just like you can roam yeah, with your mobile phone. Yeah. And that needs to happen for things and it needs to happen for devices and for people. And, um, and that's, to me, is going to be, uh, that's going to be the, the real evolution or revolution. Yeah? If you're looking at uh, satellite connectivity in conjunction with terrestrial connectivity, because hmm. like I said, the users or the customers don't care. They just want to be connected. Yeah. 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 I want it now. Don't we all? And it's interesting when you say that, um, you know, the customers don't care. I remember having a conversation with a good friend of mine who, whenever they ask me what, what I do and I say I work in the satellite industry, they, they honestly can't quite believe it. Um, but they, they sort of say, you know, these days you don't really hear too much about satellite. Um, and they used to say, you know, when, you, when you're watching the TV, you used to have that live via satellite up in the right hand corner of your screen and at that point it was you know satellite was was cool it was a sexy technology and it eventually became a little bit passe and it was well i don't don't really care how it's transmitted i just want to make sure it's transmitted and and kind of interesting what you say about um you know it's all about the standard and and i suppose which standard is is going to win out and i suppose if one standard wins um we're going to have to see something lose um you mentioned obviously vhs one out over betamax um we had hd winning out over over blu-ray or you know so uh yeah um so i guess kind of my next question um and you obviously mentioned a couple of companies there uh, in your answer to the last question um other than hyber of course um who do you see as one of the most exciting new space companies at the moment yeah well again i mean that is uh, that's really uh, quite broad, yeah, because I mean, it, it, it's such a big industry. I mean, uh, to me, it's, uh, I mean, you can look at launchers, you can look at constellations, uh, and you can look at the way you gather data. And in the end, uh, to me, it's all about, let's say, uh, driving efficiencies. Yeah? And those efficiencies are driven by uh, information gathering. And that happens on a lot of different uh, layers. Yeah? And whether we're talking about Planet Labs or Spire that's doing um, exciting stuff, let's say, uh, actually uh, extracting data from the atmosphere um, and this way, that way collecting, uh, yeah, actually generating, let's say, information on weather. But if you're looking at Ice Eye, that's doing uh, exciting stuff with uh, uh, satellite aperture radar, it's mm -hmm. all, in all those areas, you've got exciting companies that add data layers. In the end, it's going to be how we're going to consolidate that data and actually get the best intel from that. Um, it probably doesn't really answer your question. <laughs> uh, but uh, the thing is, I mean, uh, quite frankly, I think uh, everybody speaking about Elon Musk, it's a hype. And uh, I don't want to mention it. <laughs> even, <laughs> even though I'm a fascinated by the guy. But, uh, but I also think, I mean, uh, yeah, there's... Uh, uh, there's, uh, yeah. I find it a difficult question to answer. Let's put it like that, because there's 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 so, so much uh, exciting companies. So diverse. That yeah. On their yeah. Own level in their own right are 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 doing cool stuff. Huh? 
No, that's a that's a great answer. <laughs> so I guess look, leading on to my next question, I suppose I'm going to tweak it slightly, given given your answer to, to the last one. Um, I was going to ask you sort of what what technology you think in the new space industry is is sort of really exciting right now. Um, however, I think perhaps a, a sort of slightly better question maybe um, would be the the kind of the end use. The, the, the sort of the utilization cases of, of space and satellite technology. You've obviously mentioned IoT and machine-to-machine communications. You've mentioned sort of, you know, earth observation and looking at synthetic aperture radar and things like that. Um, but one of the fascinating things for me about new space is, you know, the, the new verticals and new industries that, that are being brought in and the new use cases over and above the, you know, the typical voice data communications that, that we're used to. So, I mean, it, with, with that sort of perspective in mind, what do you think is the sort of the most exciting use case now for satellite and space technology? Um, well, I mean, I, I think, I mean, if you take it to a different level, huh? Um, and this was also the, the, one of the dreams uh, that we had with Hyper. And I think one of the reasons, let's say, people stay in space for a long time, huh? uh, it's, it's about curious people, but it's also a bit about dreamers, huh? in a way. <laughs> <laughs> and it is that uh, it can really help gather the information that uh, allows us to improve things. Huh? Um, and uh, you can really save the planet that way. Uh, and I think that's probably the, the most exciting use case there is. Uh, and that's a lot of different things. Uh, it's about uh, because we can get a better understanding of our planet through space, uh, that we can actually start taking better decisions. And I think that is the most exciting use case. Now, that's a lot of different use cases. And that goes from <laughs> say, smart agriculture, more sustainable fisheries, uh, but also, yeah, just understanding microclimates in a better way, let's say in, yeah. in the Andes uh, or in Africa, uh, allowing us to actually take better decisions. And that's going to take time, but that is really, I think that's the, the overall big trend uh, that we are seeing and, uh, and I hope is going to materialize. Great. Well, look, thank you very much for your insights there, Ernst Peter. Um, look, we've, we've obviously spoken about the past and, and the present. Um, where else to go now but the future? Um, so look, over to Laurie. Yeah, thank you, Andy. Um, so, of course, I want to sort of follow up on this, Ernst Peter. I mean, we've touched on this before we sort of come on, on, on this podcast. Um, so you, you've been consulting with um, in an advisory role for uh, a number of um, startups, um, whether that's within satellite or within other uh, other technology areas, um, I know you love your technology, um, and you're helping out several companies. Whether it's coming to data, machine to machine, and uh, and AI. Um, so, for you, I, I want to see like the future for Ernst Peter really. So, what does the future hold? What, what what's exciting you? What, what's next for you? Well. Uh, um... Like I, uh, I said already before, I mean, to me, I think, I mean, and I, I, I don't think that data is holy. I think that yeah. uh, there's uh, often also too much emphasis on data, but <clears throat> in order to take, let's say, on an operational level, let's say better decisions, um, I think there's lots of exciting stuff happening. Huh? So yeah. and, uh, one of the companies that I'm involved in right now is uh, Stoke Systems. 
and uh, they are really doing exciting stuff in artificial intelligence on the edge, allowing to actually monitor assets, whether it's windmills, yeah. uh, whether it's uh, water pumps, let's say in uh, wastewater treatment or uh, actually uh, producing clean water and doing that in a way that you actually generate, let's say bytes of insights out of gigabytes of, of raw data. And you do that on yeah. the edge. And then you actually, then all of a sudden it becomes actionable because I think one of the things, the problems in IoT was always that the value chain was too fragmented. There were people that see building devices, there were people that deliver connectivity and there's people that actually deliver the insights. But in the end, because it was all fragmented, again, also no standards. And that meant that the time to value was too long. Now, I think it's exciting that you now see people that are doing smart things in a consorted effort yeah. and, um, and, and deliver those insights. And uh, yeah, that's, and that's also what I learned over time. I mean, uh, I uh, uh, helped found Hiver based on, let's say, thinking, okay, well, the connectivity in remote areas that's affordable, easy, that's the missing link. Uh, yeah. It was the missing link, but it was not the standard yet. So, and uh, but uh, yeah, I, I love to let's say be part of that. Say that, and the one thing that I also learned uh, so uh, about the future is that we really don't know <laughs> what the yeah. future is going to be hold. So you need to be quick on your feet, and you need to actually make sure that you don't close off any avenues, uh, and that you are uh, that you keep an open mind. So if you ask, what does the future be hold for me? I don't know what I'm going to do in five years because I don't know what the world is going to look like in five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I Especially after what, what, I, what I do right now in a company that looks at asset monitoring is exciting and looking at a company that wants to do more sustainable irrigation solution based on data-driven insights by monitoring yeah. the soil and, and feeding that back into the cloud. That's also exciting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, very, uh, uh, yeah. That, that as long as we stay curious, then uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, um, who, who would have thought that we're still working at home um, 12 months later and, and sort of on lockdown? But um, I think what's what's wonderful is what you're talking about. I mean, there, there's so much potential. Um, and just to see behind the scenes, I mean, you, you hear all the, uh, the big players talking about changing the world, but so many so much innovation out there and there's so many um there's so many new players and new new opportunities so to actually hear what's going on behind the scenes and that these, these new companies are popping up and looking to to look at different ways to help the world i think is uh is, is wonderful I, th I think the big players i mean they uh, they play a role i mean yeah i mean it is i mean it is some of the visionaries like basils and musk and and uh, greg wheeler and, and and all these people that that also do a lot of good things because they also show the way to a certain extent, but it's the smaller companies that make it happen in the end. Yeah, yeah. And there's, uh, and, and they uh, they drive a lot of the innovation. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know um, it inspires the next generation, which is, is, is what we want. So um, yeah, there, there's so much talent out there. Fantastic. All right, so, so moving on nicely. Uh, I mean, the next section is something that we're all very passionate about. And I know um, from a hybrid perspective, They've addressed this, and they're always looking to do this. It's it's more around sort of diversity. So I'm going to hand you over to to Andrew for this one. Yeah, thanks, Laurie. Um, so obviously, as Laurie mentioned, this is uh, this is something that's kind of close to all of our hearts, and and I think something that you know is is something that needs to be addressed not just in our industry, but but sort of across the board. Um, but kind of keen to hear you know a little bit about your insights. So 
how do you see the, the current state of the industry in, in terms of sort of diversity and inclusion of, of the people involved? Yeah, well, um, let's, let's, uh, let's take hybrid 2017 or early 2018 as an example. That was two mm. years after we founded it. Um, so what you saw is that um, we actually had, I think, back then 30 people, 20 different nationalities. Um, and actually quite a few women in tech as well. And that's the big thing, of course. Yeah. And they were all young, recent graduates. So I think that, um, and I think it's sort of a, you need to say, if you, you peel the onion, uh, it is about where are we now and where can we be? So uh, there's a lot of, let's say, senior positions which are still filled by men. And, and, and for a lot of roles that also make sense because you need to have uh, a certain level of experience before you actually can understand what are the trade-offs because from a technology but also even from a lot of other perspectives uh, even it's regulatory but also commercial the best solution that you want to deliver to a company it's all trade-offs that you need to make and those trade-offs you understand better if you have the experience now what i think you see right now is that there are a lot of more uh, women in uh, in tech universities, they will flow into the industry and they will over time also become the leaders in the industry. Yeah, so to me, it's a matter of time that may uh, not appeal to everybody, but uh, <laughs> some things I think you cannot force. I do think that it's good uh, to um, sometimes uh, go out on a limp and maybe hire somebody with a bit less experience to get that diversity. By the way, I think diversity is not just about gender. Mm, um, of course. It, it is also about uh, different backgrounds, different cultures. I found it always fascinating to actually have uh, really a lot of nationalities and uh, people with different backgrounds in my team because that means that you actually uh, get perspectives. Uh, from mm. different and uh, you need to uh, be open to those perspectives and i think that's what it's all about huh? in mm. the end everybody needs to be open to the different perspectives whether that's comes from a cultural point of view but also experience you need to listen to the, the youngsters but also the people that really have the experience of a couple of decades so you should never uh, discard it you need to look at what's been learned in the corporate world and also in the startup world i found mm. in the startup world people often think that Nothing good comes from the corporate world. Well, I know there's lots of stuff that is good in the corporate world, and there's also, um, and that and it goes vice versa. Yeah. So you need. It is all about uh, finding the right mix. Always now. If you're looking at um, diversity from gender, I think we'll get there. I think that there's um, some other diversity issues in individual countries. Yeah. Uh, I think you see lots of different people from different backgrounds yeah. uh, in most companies come from all over Europe, from the States, from South America. I still think that uh, we need to, in the Netherlands, for instance, make sure, let's say, that uh, second generation immigrants uh, choose more technical studies, that they also come to these companies. So there's, there's still a long way to go, but yeah. I think from a gender point of view, we'll get there. And then there's other things we need to start fixing, but that's education. It's all about the educational system in the end. Of course. And uh, you've obviously mentioned that, you know, this is something that, that Hyber 
you know, seem to have, have addressed internally that, you know, when you were 30 people strong, 20 different nationalities, a lot of women in tech roles. Was that something that was kind of at the forefront of, of your mind when putting together the team? Or was it something that just seemed to happen organically with the, the talent that was out there? Yeah, it, it seemed to happen with the talent that was out there because uh, there were, at that point in time, just a lot of uh, good, talented uh, women uh, that we could choose from. Yeah. So that's why I think it is going to, from that point of view, it's going to be okay. <laughs> uh, it just will, it will just take time. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think you're right. As long as there's that access to, to, to education for for everyone involved and in other conversations we've had, you know, people say, well, you know, it, it doesn't start in the workplace. It, it starts a lot earlier than that. And it's about the education piece and, and getting people involved at a young age and letting everyone know that no matter who you are, there is a place in the industry for you. Um, look, and I, I know this is something that we could probably spend hours and, and it could be a whole podcast series all on its own, but we need to move on um, and sort of learn a little bit more about, you know, I suppose the man behind the work. So uh, look, Laurie, over to you once again. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. So um, it's Peter, away from the technology, because like Andrew said, we could have spoke about this um, for the next two, three hours. But I think what we want to do now is, is talk more about you and, and outside of the industry. Um, and I know you're a family man, um, so you're not spending time with them at the weekends and, and being a, a taxi driver for your children. Um, what, I want to, what I'm keen to find out is for you personally, what's the ideal weekend for you? What, what is your perfect weekend? Uh, yeah, well, sort of a mix, I guess. Uh, probably start off playing golf uh, on Friday afternoon and uh, with friends and uh, having a couple of drinks and a nice dinner afterwards. Uh, but I also uh, like to uh, watch my kids play sports. Uh, I've got three girls, so they uh, they play field hockey. So it's it's fun doing that uh, in the mornings. And then probably what I really love is just uh, visiting my favorite grocery stores and getting nice products and, and cooking a nice meal yeah. uh, with a nice glass of wine. So that's, that really uh, brings me joy. And then, yeah, on Sunday, I may go out in nature with a couple of friends, uh, going for a long walk uh, in the dunes and, um, yeah, having a lunch afterwards. And, and, then, and then it is about uh, meeting up with friends and having a drink and perhaps yeah. uh, uh, doing a bit of barbecuing. And then you have an excellent weekend, I think. Yeah, oh, now I'm jealous because you've covered everything. From my, that, that's my perfect year at the moment. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed in the next few months or, or, or towards the summer, we'll be experiencing that. So, uh, fantastic. Brilliant. Okay. Um, and then over to Andy now for our, our sort of quick fire round. And this is, uh, yeah, this is some of the fun. Yeah. So, look, as Laurie said, this is our quick fire round. It's part of the podcast that, uh, that, that I like most. Um, so with this one, try not to think too much about your answers. Um, having a look through the questions, actually, I, I think you've mentioned a couple of things, so I can predict a couple of your answers already. <laughs> but as I say, don't think about it too much and just try and give your answers as quick as you can. Um, so first one, productive in lockdown or unproductive in lockdown? Um, I think productive in lockdown. Uh, I mean, in the end, uh, any situation you need to adapt and uh, quite frankly, the lockdown in the Netherlands wasn't that severe uh, over the past year. So there was, I always looked at what was possible. I mean, it's uh, and, uh, because there was much less travel and typically I travel quite a bit. Um, 
so more at home. So that uh, on the one hand makes you a bit restless. On the other hand, I was more out on the beach with the dog in between and sorting <laughs> out my thoughts. And in the end, if you take those breaks, because you can, uh, afterwards you're more productive. So yeah, I would say yeah. productive in lockdown. Uh, Definitely. Okay, tea or coffee? Uh, morning's coffee, afternoon's tea. So it's, it's <laughs> both. Uh, both. <laughs> the city or the countryside? Yeah, so I've always, uh, I want to be close to a big city or in a big city, but I want to have the access to the countryside. So wherever I lived, whether it was in Amsterdam or in Stuttgart or Hamburg or now close to Amsterdam, I'm 15 minutes from downtown Amsterdam and I'm five minutes from the beach. And that's sort of... Uh, best of both. To have the best, yeah, of both best of both worlds. I, I try to find a balance in things. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Apple or Microsoft? I've given you any answer yet where I made a choice. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully the next one might be a bit of an easier de decision. Um, Apple or Microsoft? I, I only have Apple products, but I... Uh, I, I prefer Teams really as a tool, quite <laughs> frankly. And that's my product. So there you go. I think, I, think you, I was going to say, I think, I think you'd make a great politician. Uh, <laughs> so uh, next one, Netflix or Disney Plus? Yeah, well, I, I don't have Disney Plus, so I don't know. Uh, I've got Netflix. So I guess uh, there you have it. There we go. <laughs> we have our first answer. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, beach holiday or skiing holiday? Skiing. Plane or train? Uh, that uh, depends. I I prefer the train, quite frankly, especially going on holidays. Uh, yeah. I think it's uh, really nice to actually to actually experience the journey as well. But uh, I mean, I've been in planes a lot in my life. I can uh, imagine. And it's uh, it's um, it's extremely effective from a business point of view. But uh, quite frankly, if you ask me what I like, <laughs> I, I, I'd love to take the. Uh, uh, Siberia Express or something uh, at some point in time. Uh, I would uh, really uh, love that uh, experience. I'm with you on that. And and I think it could be boiled down to experience over convenience is the way I like to look at it. <laughs> uh, so book or film? Uh, book. Takeaway or home-cooked meal? Home-cooked meal. And last but not least, and I think I know the answer to this one. Um, <laughs> Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos? Bezos. Perfect. And there we go. End of the uh, end of the quickfire round. And look, we did we did get a couple of answers there, so that, that, that that's great. Um, and and look, now we kind of get on to our last question. So Laurie, passing it back to you. Yeah, so Ernest, Peter, as you know, I know you've listened to the podcast. So this is the same question that we always ask our uh, yeah our guest. Um, and I think sort of touching on the sort of the startups and you mentioned earlier, obviously you're helping mentoring and, and sort of with some of the immigrants that are coming through, you're, you're sort of helping them get into, get into technology. So um, my, my, my question for you is what one piece of advice would you give to someone that's looking to enter into our industry? Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it before. It's, it's uh, stay curious. Yeah. And it's, you really need to, um, because it's, um, there's always, um, you need to um, anticipate what is going to be uh, behind the band. Eh? Mm. And for that, you need to uh, be inquisitive and uh, try to understand, let's say, what's happening. 
and you don't need to be able to predict everything, but you need to be need to understand that there is going to be change, and yeah. you need to accept that change. Uh, and in order to actually um, deal with it, you need to actually at least uh, be aware of the options. And in order to do that, you need to have that curiosity. Yeah, fantastic, brilliant. Well. Uh, Peter, this is it. I mean, thanks so much for your time today. It's been a, a real pleasure. Um, I've been looking forward to, to having you on for some time and, and really appreciate you uh, you joining us. And uh, yeah, all the best for this year. And hopefully we'll be playing golf you and me at some point in the future. So thanks again. Thanks very much, Hans Peter. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.neuco-group.com. You've been listening to The Tech That Connects Us.